Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I wanted to talk to you today about a video that I'm trying to edit together. I'm stuck in Final Cut right now. I'm trying to put the pieces together. I'm working on a bunch of clips from the Alvord Desert that we shot really almost like a year ago when we were traveling through the Alvord Desert and uh, that southern, I guess, southeastern stretch of Oregon out of Idaho. It's really beautiful, really interesting kind of high desert terrain out there. I think you travel through the Oahe River Canyon for miles and miles along that stretch. And uh, there's a lot of beautiful country out there, really a lot of stuff that I could probably endlessly explore. I hear there's a lot of cool stuff out there, like, uh, or, you know, it's, I guess, great elk hunting is sort of the territory that it's known as. Uh, but outside of that, there's probably plenty of things you could do for seasons. What we were there for was just uh, camping and checking out the, the desert playa when we got a little closer to the Alvord Desert. But we have a handful of videos from that. What I'm trying to do right now is work with the, uh, the Instagram TV format. And something that uh, it's been around just for a couple of weeks now, but it's it's this vertical video only. I guess, I guess it's kind of cheated on a little bit, but it's just people uploading horizontal videos to it. I think so. Uh, it kind of works, but uh, I think it's kind of built to be vertical video native. And so I'm trying to go through and take some videos, and then I'm setting up um, a Final Cut project where I flip. It's sort of awkward, but like I flip the the aspect ratio so that it shows me a 1080p. Uh, window frame, but it shows me that vertically. And then when I apply my videos to it, then I have to kind of transform them to it and then it renders out. It's kind of funky. It's not really uh, shot for it because I've never shot anything in a vertical format. So especially if I'm kind of uh, retrofitting a video that was shot a year ago in horizontal aspect ratio, uh, that's never really going to come out quite right in the vertical aspect ratio. So it seems like to really do it, you got to shoot native in vertical format, but I don't know, that's asking a little too much from old Billy. So today, I guess as it is, I'm just going to be making some Instagram TV posts in uh, some other, I don't know, whatever it is, 720 or something like that. But uh, I'm going to be pulling the videos in and uh, putting them in that custom Final Cut layout and then trying to clip those together to make like a, I don't know, a four-minute, maybe less video that kind of renders out or runs through some of the stuff of uh, hanging out in the Alvord over in Eastern Oregon. It was a cool trip. I love doing that stuff. So hope you guys get to see you soon. You can see more of my work at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. You can check out some of my photo books on Amazon. I think you can look up uh, Billy Newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film, on the desert, on surrealism, on camping. Some cool stuff over there. I wanted to talk about... A, uh, a trip that I did out to Eastern Oregon here uh, just a little while back in the end of October. And it was kind of cool getting out to camp uh, kind of late in October. It was nice, I guess, this year with uh, without having a lot of like wet weather days over in Eastern Oregon. So we've had like a lot of clear weather. I think it's been clear and then also pretty cold here for like the last like week or two. But it had been uh, above freezing for a while in dogs over this year i remember years past it would be like below freezing uh at least by like the the 10th of october i mean even by like the the fifth or so i remember sometimes they uh, you know being in uh, below freezing temperatures especially over in eastern oregon up in the mountains and stuff or or even in the, the you know the plateau areas of the great basin i remember some areas out there being like uh, below freezing by quite a bit but this year it was it was still pretty nice uh 
pretty far into October. I was, I was kind of impressed, but by the time I was out there uh, for this trip, it was freezing, I'm pretty sure. So I was, uh, I think I went out, went out over to Eastern Oregon and I was out uh, kind of in like that, um, like the high desert lakes area. So there's like, um, there's, there's a few lakes that are all kind of like gathered together over there. Uh, I think it's like Silver Lake, Summer Lake, Abert Lake, Summer Summer Lake I talked about. There's Goose Lake that's further south. There's like Crump Lake. There's I think there's a few others, but there but like also some of them have kind of like dried out now too. But uh, that whole area out there as it kind of stretches over toward like Highway 395 further eastern there has a bunch of features and terrain that I don't really think I've explored too much of. Well, I've explored like a bit of it before, but uh, but there's a bunch of stuff out there that I thought would be kind of cool to check out. And there's, I, mean, I hardly got to any of it, really. I think there's uh, like really big areas that, uh, that stretch out for a long amount of distance that are probably pretty hard to, well, or I don't know, they're, I think they're all like pretty big stretches of public land. That's what's really cool about that area. Is it's really um, big, like vast expanses of BLM land through a lot of that desert land. But it's also kind of difficult to traverse. Is what I was going to say. Uh, that the roads there aren't really very well maintained, and there really aren't that many roads. So it's cool you can get out and uh, uh, if you have if you have the time, you can hike those roads, or you can hike off uh, anywhere you want, like off those roads, and and just kind of like. Uh, check out the the area and the land around it and the, it's it's definitely like a really interesting um kind of kind of landscape out there but that's what i've always liked about the the high desert lakes area out there is uh, the, the kind of like landscape and the trees and the rim rock and the way that that looks out there i always thought was uh, pretty cool so I, I took off over there especially this time of year in october it's really fun i think um uh, a lot of the areas that i were in uh, was really just like those the juniper trees and sagebrush and stuff, but uh, but the way that the cloud textures are over Eastern Oregon are always uh, pretty cool. Uh, this time of year in in like kind of late late mid October, um, but it's also really cool when you can come up upon some aspen trees. Like the aspen trees over there this time of year are really cool because they they kind of turn from that green leafed tree with the white bark, and they have these really uh, red or orange kind of fiery leaves and they look really cool and, and kind of dramatic and um, they have like a cool contrast in the landscape over there in eastern Oregon so it's cool you can kind of come up on a, a grove of those they seem to sort of grow in a cluster together over there in, in certain places when you get to uh, certain elevations when they're uh, in good spots to grow but up in those the mountain passes there or I think like some of those mountain rims in uh, in eastern Oregon have uh some clusters of them. And it's really cool that you can kind of come up on them. I think up in the, uh, like the Fremont Winema National Forest as you were coming up to the rim over Summer Lake. I think I saw like a bunch of them over there. And I remember driving up through a number of those and it was really cool. There's, there's yeah, just big groves of them and all the leaves kind of turn like really red, orange, bright colors as they're starting to drop. And this was really cool, especially in uh, years like this where it hasn't really uh, had a ton of rain or a ton of, um, I guess even like early snow or just big storms that have come through and kind of knocked those leaves out prematurely. So a lot of them seem like they've been holding up pretty well and it's got kind of a, a bright kind of crisp look to it this October, uh, given that, uh, there hasn't been much rain and it's been pretty clear and it's just been, you know, a little bit of wind and now that it's frozen, 
I think the leaves are going to start dropping pretty quick. And now that the rain's probably going to come through or a couple sets of storms are going to come through. So out there in eastern Oregon, I, uh, I came up on a spot to camp that I thought was pretty cool. And I was driving around through. Uh, what I did is I kind of took off from the main highway. And I took this mountain road that cuts off into BLM land. And it's real rocky, real bumpy, almost doesn't look like a road at some time. So I threw it into like four-wheel drive low for a lot of it to just kind of like crawl over a, a bunch of the rocks. So I just kind of take it real slow and uh, kind of take my time getting over stuff. And uh, I took a couple miles back into this road, and then I would kind of stop along the way and then take up some hikes like out to the left or the right of the truck and then uh, kind of make like a little bit of a loop and then come back around to the truck and uh, just sort of check out the area and see what was going on out there. And uh, I had my camera with me, so I got to like walk around and take pictures and stuff. And then I've also on this trip been trying to take a bunch of video clips, like where I'd uh, I'd like take my tripod out with me on that little little bit of a hike or something that I do, or a little walk around that I do. And then, uh, yeah, stop, set up the tripod, take a, a longer clip of video or a pan of video so that I have that in my collection also and then take a, a couple sets of photos. But it was cool, uh, and I like this area and this time of year too. You know, it's tough in the summertime out there in eastern Oregon and also I think sometimes in the wintertime too when it's sunny. Um, but uh, but when it gets like uh, real sunny and it's real clear out, you get this kind of like uh, haziness to the sky a little bit and everything just sort of looks a little bit more blown out with the sun and the way that the shadows look on the ground, especially through like the midday. So real early in the morning, it can look really cool as the light's kind of coming up over the horizon. And real late in the afternoon as it's kind of getting near the horizon again over in the west, that can look pretty cool. But when it's real clear, it looks it looks really uh, kind of blown out and washed out and harsh during the day. And it, it definitely looks like that a lot during the summer as the sun's real high up above. Um, but now as it gets kind of in the fall here, uh, what's cool is you have like a bunch of these uh, kind of textured clouds moving across the sky as part of the weather pattern. And so you get uh, sort of a more textured landscape and you also get uh, a lot of shade cast with the highlights of sun sort of still coming through it on days that aren't totally overcast. So that was what was fortunate for me. And that's sort of part of what you get is the weather on uh, some of the circumstances of weather that you get uh, during this uh this period of time from uh, from like kind of mid October into November, before uh, before it gets kind of real wintry and stormy out there as you get into later November. But this time of year is really cool, so uh, I really like that part of it a lot. Where you can kind of go out and you see like a lot of texture in the sky as it kind of goes up in elevation up into the sky, but you still see you know some sunny sky. You see kind of color to that light that's uh, sort of cast through the clouds. And uh, and you also see color in the clouds and texture in the clouds, uh, and I don't know. It just seems like you get like a little bit more, uh, a little bit more to photograph. And I always like that when the the sky's got some texture in it. So that's kind of cool with the with some of the landscape work that I was trying to do out there in Eastern Oregon. And uh, I thought it was uh, pretty fun going out there. But it was cool. This uh, the spot that I came up to camp at, which uh, was sort of like by the end of the day was this uh, pretty small, I guess it would have been a pond, or it would have been like a real small lake, probably like a five-acre lake bed. Uh, but now it's dried out. There's no water up there at all. But for uh, maybe what kind of gathers there, incidentally, through the year, as it sort of collects across the landscape like it would have naturally, but it's really nowhere near as much as it would have been before. But it's cool. It's up along 
this uh, this piece of rim rock that sort of stretches along and then kind of connects into the hillside. But below that there is like this big lake area, and you can kind of see how flat the the landscape is there as it sort of had been settled with the lake bed over time, and then as it kind of lifts up on the under the banks of that as the rocks sort of reappear and then kind of turn up into rim rock. But it was cool. I, uh, I got to drive my truck just kind of like right out onto the lake bed, which is really just like uh, like a grown-up meadow now. And then there's two track truck tracks that kind of cut and crisscross through the the lake bed there back and forth but um but yeah i, I like uh, pulled off and it's just sort of like listed as a road i pulled off into this little lake and crossed over it to the other side toward the rim rock and then got to hang out and then set up a camp over there and it looked like people had already been there there was like a fire ring set up and it was kind of a, a cleared out area with a sort of like a, a sandy bottomed uh sort of like grit dirt base beneath me and then uh, these reeds of grass that were sort of growing up out into the distance a couple feet but that was really cool I, I really kind of appreciated getting to go out there also what i thought was pretty cool at this uh the spot that i was camping out was trying to set up the tripod to take long exposure photos at night there so when it got dark the sky was really cool and there was also still a little bit of those clouds that were sort of drifting in and out at different times, which uh, kind of added, like, some cool texture to it. They were kind of lower uh, cumulus clouds that were moving pretty quickly across the landscape. So if you had uh, a longer exposure of 20 seconds or somewhere around 30 seconds or so, you could light in a lot of light, which would be cool for the photos of the stars, but you could also get a little bit of a drag effect to the view of the clouds, those cumulus clouds, as they move sort of quickly at low elevations across the the skyline there. And so you could kind of, uh, over 30 seconds, kind of get this sweep look as it, as these clouds kind of swept across um, sort of, I think they were moving kind of a, uh, like a, well, I guess it would be sort of like a west to, I guess, generally east motion. I think it was sort of like a northwest yeah, northwest to like southeast direction, more or less. But it was cool, yeah, kind of watching these clouds sort of zip by. And then I was looking up at, uh, at like, I think it was Jupiter and Saturn that were sort of up against this rim rock area that I was looking at. And I think it was part of the constellation of Sagittarius. And then Scorpio was sort of down by that time. But it was cool looking at that. And then a little bit further over to the east was where a really bright, view of mars was it has that kind of uh, bright orange sort of coppery color to it and it looks really beautiful right now it's cool this time of year i think it's a near opposition to us so it kind of rises uh up around the same time as the sun is setting it's a little bit off from that but it looks really large in, in the sky right now and it's a really uh, beautiful and like bright view of mars as it's sort of uh coming up over into the eastern sky as it uh, as it starts to get dark in the evening, but it was cool luck looking at uh, looking at Mars and then looking at Saturn and Jupiter over in the Sagittarius area. So that was kind of cool, and then uh, trying to take photo photographs of that along with uh, some of what you can kind of see within the Milky Way was, was pretty cool too. Um, so I was trying to set that up and and get some uh, long exposure uh, night photography of that and. Um, yeah, I kind of I really like the way that the the sweeped look of uh, the clouds look as it kind of uh, kind of crosses the sky, and that's something I was kind of trying to do a bit with the 
some of the photography I was doing out there was uh, trying to get a, a long exposure sweeped look to the the photos of the clouds and the sky. And it's cool. I've got um, I got one of these tools that helps me do that in the daytime uh, too. And so when I was saying like I was out there in the daytime, I could take my tripod and then set up this um, this big stopper, which is really just like a it, it looks like black smoke glass, but uh, it's got like a, a ten stop ND filter on it that fits into a pocket that goes over your lens. And so you can set your lens to something that would be 10 stops um, of a slower exposure to gather more light. And then that kind of gives you an effect so you can kind of change the amount of time that you have your exposure set for if you want to kind of make some different effects, which is really cool if you want to try and shoot like moving water uh, during daytime light, you can kind of change that effect a lot. I've done a lot of cool stuff at rivers with it, but this was really cool too. Of just going to a landscape where, uh, like, you're trying to take a picture of a landscape, but there's clouds in the sky. And those clouds will move over a period of 30 seconds, and so you can set it up with this big stopper, take a photograph of that landscape. You can expose correctly for the landscape, but with the big stopper, you get the effect of the time passage. And then that means that you can kind of see the sweep of the clouds in the sky as uh, as time passed and the clouds kind of moved uh, west to east. So it's pretty cool uh, getting to getting to try that out. And I think some of the results from it are pretty cool. And uh, some of the long exposure results uh, near near dusk or near the blue hour were pretty cool too. So I was happy to to kind of get to try that out and uh, and get to work on that a bit. And then I was also talking about like video clips too. How I, was, uh, I was trying to get some video clips of different pieces, and that's been working out, I think, pretty well. I've been trying different spots, like different spots of the coast, different spots on this uh, mountain drive I was on, and then here different spots over in eastern Oregon, out in the high desert. And uh, I'm kind of trying to get like an addition of, uh, you know, just kind of okay or cool, or uh, you know, sort of steady. Um, like full HD video clips at different locations. There's a lot of stuff where I've like had my phone and I've just kind of like held it and, and recorded a lot. And even still, I'm trying to do that with the camera um, to get sort of some casual video recording clips uh, at more times through uh, through little trips and travel pieces that I'm doing, just so it seems like I have video content as well as uh, as photo content that I captured on uh, on some of these outings that I do. But uh, but as I'm going around, yeah, trying to capture some cool video pieces, trying to use the tripod for it, and uh, try and get some some steady shots that uh, that are like a little bit more cleaned up than uh, than just some of the walk around stuff that I've done with my phone or with other means in the past. So it's been kind of cool, but still a lot of the primary stuff is is photo for sure. I've had the film camera out a bit. I was uh, setting that up on the tripod, trying to get a couple uh, photographs with it as I kind of go around to different spots and. I thought that was pretty cool, but uh, but yeah, I was dealing with that rocky road out there, so I camped out by that that lake bed near the rim rock, uh, looking at the stars and stuff. That was really cool. I've got that portable like uh, propane heater with me, and that's really been saving me from the the real cold weather. And I think kind of like I was talking about on that last podcast, um, how I uh, or I think a couple podcasts back how. Um, some of the layering I'm trying to do is like uh, like a wool layer as a base layer and then uh, a down insulation layer, and then a, a Gore-Tex rain shell over that. And so I was fortunate I didn't have to deal with any like wet weather uh, rain stuff, but that Gore-Tex shell over the down and wool uh, really holds in like a lot of the heat, too. So um, that was uh, helping me a ton out there. 
uh, while it was getting pretty cold. I think like you know, like this time of year, in October, it was like uh, it, was, it was before it was before the time changed just now. But uh, but at that time it was like six o'clock that it was getting dark. Now it's five o'clock that it's you know just dark out, and it's cold out too. You know, it's like uh, clear and you know late October, and then it just gets real cold in those kind of higher elevation. Uh, kind of mountain lake areas out there in eastern Oregon. So it seemed like it was getting kind of near freezing here. There, you know, there pretty soon. It was. It seemed like it was in the 30s at least, like uh, pretty soon after dark. Um, so I was definitely trying to like uh, add up some layers and turn that propane heater on and uh, try and stay pretty warm. So I, I wasn't in the tent. I was just in the canopy of my truck, and I was able to stay uh, pretty insulated through the night. So it wasn't really like a, a big deal. And um, it was okay, you know, like I think I've talked about this before too, my, my sleeping bag I think is uh, is rated at like a 15 degree sleeping bag. And so this time I, I doubled it up um, with like a second sleeping bag that was like a 15 degree sleeping bag. And that one, that worked pretty well, but I really even still like, yeah, I was like, man, I need like a blanket. But I think uh, I need to go like for uh, like a, a thicker zero degree bag or something like that. Maybe I can, I can use that and... Uh, or maybe even double that up with this one too. But yeah, like the dealing with the cold out there as it as it drops down to freezing is, I think, kind of difficult. I don't really ever seem to enjoy it. You know, like people kind of uh, seem to get through some of those cold nights and uh, and some of those like higher elevation or harsher environments. I mean, Oregon is really like a pretty uh, temperate climate in a lot of ways. I can't imagine like being out in Arizona where it's you know seven degrees or something like that in some of those mountain spots that I've heard of or. Um, or certainly like out in uh, anywhere like those northern areas or like the boreal forest as it gets into the, the winter time and you have to deal with like a lot of snow. You know, this is just kind of like a, a nice sort of dry climate where it's uh, maybe dipping into the the freezing temperatures. Um, but even still, yeah, I've just never really enjoyed like uh, just kind of hanging out in the dark with really not a ton of stuff to do, kind of, I don't know, I guess kind of maybe taking pictures and sort of standing by a little, a little space heater. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was pretty fun though. It was cool, you know, kind of hanging out and sort of putting up with the cold and stuff and, uh, and hanging out by a camp and, uh, and taking some pictures of the sky at, at night and stuff. That was pretty cool. But, uh, but yeah, the next day, uh, I got up and I think I, um, uh, tried to put together a little bit of food and stuff that I had, which is kind of fun when you're out uh, doing the camp and stuff, but I got in the truck, got in the four wheel drive going again, and then I kind of carried on on that, that bumpy mountain road for a while and took a couple forks of the road off to, um, another sort of small four or five acre pond bed or lake bed that used to be out there. And then now is gone and it sort of, uh, rest against uh, what it had kind of eroded against some rim rock against the side. And then just sort of some rolling Hills that sort of, uh, carry on past it. But it's these kind of like little dips that kind of come up maybe a hundred feet or so, then down 80 and then sort of come up and down a little bit as it sort of, uh, rolls along on the, the landscape out there. And from Google earth, it looks like it's just a real arid sort of flat, um, you know, uh, no, no vegetation kind of landscape. But when you get out there, you notice that, uh, that a lot of it is these sort of, uh, it's kind of a sparsely populated area of juniper trees. But when you sort of look across, it really fills the space up pretty well. Whereas you look across, you see just like a, a good amount of, uh, of trees and vegetation. And it's all these, uh, you know, these kind of smaller, but kind of wide in the shape that they are of these, uh, like juniper trees or just sort of smaller, 
uh, like evergreen trees out there, kind of inter intermixed with the sagebrush and stuff, and uh, it kind of looks cool with uh, with the type of landscape as it is as, as you look back. I think as I was looking toward the south, as the mountains kind of pick up a little bit more, it kind of uh, just has like a cool look to it. As you see, like the sagebrush, the juniper trees, and then it kind of sweeps up as you kind of pick up toward the rim rock as you get near to I think Summer Lake, and you get up uh, as a view toward the the uplift as it moves into the Fremont Winema National Forest. Um, but it was cool, yeah, being out there, driving around, uh, four-wheeling around out there was pretty cool. And uh, I think I went about as far as I could on that road before it really just sort of like washed out and just kind of turned into to nothing after a while. So uh, I bet somebody could take it a little bit further than I did, but I think it runs into some private property at the end of it. So I decided to kind of wrap up there and then, uh, spin around and then uh, I cruised back to the little town that was out there and stopped in and got uh, coffee which is uh, always like kind of a necessity I think I have like my mix with me I have like my jet boil and, uh, and coffee mix with me but I stopped in and um, stopped at a little coffee shop place which I always kind of try and do at some of these little towns like I did it over at the coast a couple of weeks ago too not the coast but I don't know it was some like little logging town next next to it you know um, but out here, yeah, in Eastern Oregon, picked up some coffee and I took off to another set of these like small little rolling hills that were out there. So off the, uh, the bigger rim rock section, I went over, I think from, I guess it'd be like the South side and then I crossed town and then went North of town to, um, like the other side of like the, I don't know, the top of this lake area that it would be. And then there's this set of like little rolling hills that kind of carry on, um, for maybe 10 acres or so. And I guess that was like a pretty, um, anthropologically active area back in the past, which is really cool that these different tribes had moved into the area and then, uh, use the land to camp at or to set up and then go out and, and do like hunting trips from around the area. And it's really cool to, to kind of think about the, the land that you're kind of walking around as, uh, as uh, different places that people had camped uh, sort of nomadically through different seasons over uh, thousands of years out there. You know, I think it's like, uh, it's like 12,000 year old um, artifacts dating back to that area around like Fort Rock. And uh, I think over by, uh, some other Paisley ice caves, I think some other area like that. And then there's other information about, um, you know, like uh, more recent stuff too from uh, from history just, you know, a couple hundred years ago. So really cool to kind of be out in that area and get to check it out and walk around and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, this area has a bunch of small roads through it that kind of, uh, kind of roll over the hills and stuff. And um, I was able to have like a pretty good map of what was there. And I've been out to that area a couple of times before, but I didn't really know where the roads went. So I didn't, I didn't really get to explore around as effectively as it was this time, but it was pretty cool getting to um, cut through a couple of different pieces and um, get to stop and get out get to take like kind of short walks out and get to go up to different lookout points and take pictures and stuff of the, the, the landscape and stuff out there. These uh, little kind of rolling rock formations that sort of carry along these hills for a few acres so that was pretty fun getting to go out there and uh, I kind of made like a big uh, loop with the truck and four wheel drive and uh, sort of came up uh, this like uh, draw along like a creek and then came up the hill and sort of was like a four wheel, you know, like a real four wheeling experience where you're just kind of like, you know, pulling up this, this big kind of rocky thing up to the top of a mountain and then you kind of take off down the backside of it. 
um, and then kind of intersect back down with the main road. But, uh, but yeah, I did that for a good part of the day and uh, kind of took some photos and videos of uh, some of the stuff out there and then uh, took off and I took like a gravel road that, that sort of cut between that small town that I was at to another town further north of there. And there's like a highway infrastructure that sort of connects the two, but that sort of, I guess, would make like a V shape between it. And this uh, gravel road sort of cuts the, the long stretch along the top of the V. And uh, so I, I was able to take that and, uh, and take that road uh, back up to this small town before I was able to head out. But it was cool going over through that area. And uh, I think that was as it was starting to become evening and stuff. And there's a bunch of little spots where I could pull out along the side of it set up my tripod and take some pictures and stuff. And that evening was cool with the clouds and stuff. Same as I was doing the night before in that area by the Rim Rock was I was able to, to kind of get out the truck this time. And I had like a little bit more uh, open view where it was just sort of like a bigger, wider open landscape with uh, the cloud formations and then the sky and stuff above that. And I was able to uh, stop for a few of those uh, and take some cool long exposure photos of the, the night sky and the, the sweeping clouds and stuff of the area up there. But it was cool. Yeah, I loved uh, getting out there and going around through some stuff on uh, the high and desert area, especially out there in October. I think it's like my favorite time of year to be out in the high desert and to get to go camping and up in the area up there. You can check out more information at billynewmanphoto.com. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. If you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with, if uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it. If you're interested or, or feel more comfortable using Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash billynewmanphoto. trying to do so it's a few different things that i've been trying to, to te- check out um a lot of it around some of the stuff i was just talking about around the ipfs interplanetary file system stuff that i've been thinking is uh pretty fun it's kind of cool checking out some of these uh different systems that people are creating like dtube that i've talked about a few times uh dsounds.audio is another one that i've been trying to publish too which sort of has its ups and downs in some way but then really on the other side of it is uh, some of the stuff that you can do just with the browser system, or I, th- I think right now I'm using Sidereus. And then there's also the ability to, I guess, set it up from the command line or something like that. But Sidereus, the Orion side by Sidereus, I think it's Orion by Sidereus, is seem- seemingly to be the easiest way to get an IPFS node started on your computer, Windows, Mac, or Linux. Uh, which is pretty cool. So I have mine going on a Windows 10 computer over here. I have it going on two Macintosh computers. And I'm still trying to figure out sort of how it works. I think a lot of stuff that you're putting up is going on to your local node and then it's being served out from there. But I was testing it out the other day just with uh, Marina. And we like uploaded a small picture and got the hash link for it and then opened it in the browser on her computer and it pulled up the image fine it pulled up like an ebook thing that i put up there too so it's pretty cool uh that you can find it that you can i guess even have that build out but really interesting how it works so i'm trying to i guess use that a little bit more and put up a bunch of the videos and stuff that i have up there 
in a way where I can use it in the long term. You know, I, I, my understanding of it is that it's sort of persistent on the internet, and that it'll be there distributed for a long time if it if it gets distributed properly before. I think like if it gets off my note or something like that, but I'm not even sure if that really breaks it or not. I'm not sure yet, but I'm trying to figure it out. Pretty exciting stuff though, figuring out the distributed web. The other part of it I'm trying to figure out is how to do website publishing onto the distributed web. And I think there's a few tools that are going to be in development probably right now. They're supposed to be released maybe closer toward the end of 2019. But one that I'm checking out, well, there's two of them. There's the Pico CMS, which has been used, I think, on Linux for a long time to make standalone HTML sort of CMS-based or HTML, CSS websites through a CMS. Well, that's a lot of letters. Uh <laughs> But there's this other one, though, that is the one that I mean to talk about, which is called Publi, that I think is still in beta right now. It's a piece of software that runs, again, on uh, Mac, Linux, and Windows. I have it on my, I think, on two Macs right now that I've been trying it out on. But there's a few different themes. It's a standalone program that runs on the computer, and then you can select a, a theme, and then you can go through and make modifications to that theme and add your content into it, like pictures and whatever your posts are that you want to have add to it. And then you can preview it, and it's just a standalone file architecture that it's building like on the computer where it's writing out the code and the CSS file that it's supposed to reference to. So it's working pretty well. It's kind of cool. I'm trying to uh, check it out a little bit and sort of see what kind of little site I could build with it. But the reason that I say all that is because standalone websites, as opposed to the things that are sort of set up more like a database like WordPress that I've got going on, I think that this, well, maybe you could do it with WordPress too. I'm not really totally sure about it. But from what I understand, though, the standalone, just sort of flat HTML website is pretty easy to put up onto this distributed web that I keep talking about. So you can take that standalone file that contains the text and photos and code and stuff for your website, put it up onto your distributed web IPFS node, and then take that hash link and then open that in any browser, and then that'll open up whatever website content you have there, and it'll show it in the browser. It's kind of a, a cool idea. There's a couple limitations to it, I guess, on like updating the website and how that works with the hash. I guess the hash remains static related to exactly the information that was that was in the file when the hash was made. And if any data in that file has changed, a new hash would be created. And so each hash that exists would be specific to a certain time that that, that site was uploaded and published, I guess. So there's some way to get around that, I guess, by using another string of numbers or letters, the IPNS uh, which is supposed to kind of correct some of the, the network stuff around using the file system that we've been talking about a little bit. But it's kind of cool. It's just sort of some of the development tool stuff that I've been thinking about. Uh, but what I'm going to try and do is put together sort of a run-through of a bunch of photos, maybe like a little basic portfolio thing that I can try and put together. Also, similarly, it's a ready-to-go site, so if it works well enough, I might try and append it to the site that I'm working on, you know, like my WordPress site, as sort of a piece that I sort of do maybe some kind of side project with. Maybe it'll be like a subdomain that I, I set up under... Uh, I don't know, something, something dot Billy Newman photo dot com as the subheading. Uh, so I can set up, you know, some side project. I've seen people put like their photo portfolios up like that, which I could do something like that. Or I could do 
I don't know, just some other kind of information project altogether. Maybe that'd be kind of cool to do. I'm sure WordPress and everything I have kind of going there is more than adequate to put together whatever tools I need to display on my website. But I'm trying to think of something, something kind of cool to do with this uh, CMS program that I've been checking out. So it's kind of interesting stuff. I like uh, I like getting into that a bit. I've been adding a diff- uh, like a few different things to my website too, the the BillyNewmanPhoto.com website, where I haven't really paid as much attention in the past to SEO and the schemes around SEO that you're supposed to try and uh, fill in when you're putting up content on the site. So there's like meta tags, descriptions and alt tags, title tags. I guess a lot of those uh, focus keywords or focus key phrases. I've never really put much of that stuff in in the past, so I'm trying to go back through a lot of those photos and a lot of the different uh, pages and content and add in the like links that I'd be looking for or like sitemap links or the different pieces uh, sort of on the website that would help me kind of link around and make it sort of a more a more full-functioning interconnected website. That's something I'm, I'm kind of trying to go for. And, and really, I want to try and put up a lot more onto that website in a way that uh, is, is more functional and, and sort of more fun for me. Speaking of fun, here's another warm pad to throw in there. Uh, but I'm trying to make my website a little bit more fun to use uh, and a little bit more fun for like people to go uh, see and check out. So it's, it's kind of like a limited amount of content that's up there right now. Man, enough of me playing piano. I should learn some chords or something if, if I'm going to do that. But um, but as it goes on my website, there's like a few of the photos that I have there that are displayed well enough, but I really want to up that so that the, the photo display is really in its most interesting and like highest level that I could probably get it to. And I think I can, we can get pretty close to, uh, to getting like a, a handful of different portfolios. This sort of are a couple different selections and kind of showing stuff a little better than it shows right now. And I also want to try and put up some more uh, like business stuff too, like uh, shops and products that are for sale and uh, different links out to content locations where things are a little bit more thoroughly put together. That's sort of something I'm trying to hope for. But that's all separate from the distributed web stuff. That's all kind of more for fun where uh, it seems like only like a couple thousand people are are using and publishing stuff to the distributed web sites right now. Like I've been on DTube a bunch of the day and I've, been, I've just been trying to like upload a bunch of the videos that I've had over on YouTube. So I'm just trying to cross post a bunch of those to, to DTube and see how it's working. And it's interesting to try out. I really can't tell if anybody's seeing it because I don't think there's a view counter really. It's showing information like someone's viewing it or maybe sometimes it gets a comment or some, some interactivity. So that, that's probably some proof. But just as like a regular view goes, I don't really see any information around it there. Uh, but I'm trying to look at like all the videos that are being uploaded. You can just kind of go to a feed and it says new. You know, it's all the videos that have been uploaded in the last three hours. And you can just see a list of them. So like on YouTube, it would just be like a, a ridiculous flood of stuff coming in. I think like every minute they get more videos than you can watch in a year. You know, there's just some ludicrous stat like that. On this one, you, you just see like, oh, the last hour, there's been like four of my videos and three videos from somebody else and a few videos from some other people. So it's still like real bare bones, kind of early days, it seems like. But it's kind of fun trying to put up some videos and uh, and try and uh, just check out the service, see how it works. And I'm um, also trying to figure out a little bit more of like how, how well, it's different than the... I, I just don't understand it very well. I don't understand how like DTube works as a decentralized location. It seems like you log in, but you log in with like this cryptographic key that they don't have like at a centralized location. And 
I just don't understand that. Like, what? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. How, how does that work? How is it like not on a server somewhere? All these videos. So I put up probably like thirty videos or something on this uh, this B two page for my account, Billy Newman, and yeah, it's going interestingly so far. But I'm gonna try and get a bunch of those collected so that I can go around and uh, put a put a bunch of the links out in some places too. Maybe maybe on my website or online in some social places or something like that too. So I can get the word out about it. But that's also that's what that's a trick right now with it too. Is that there's really no search engine for the distributed web or there's no directory system in within it within the, the distributed web to sort of see what's interesting there so or maybe there is and i haven't found it yet uh, but it really seems like you have to go to somewhere like reddit or some forum that's talking about it somewhere just on the regular internet where someone's already published a set of links to take you over to these distributed web locations so that's kind of interesting Thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I hope you guys check out some stuff on BillyNewmanPhoto.com. A few new things up there. Some stuff on the homepage. Some good links to other other outbound sources. Some, some links to books. Some links to some podcasts. Links to some blog posts. All pretty cool. But yeah, check it out at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast. Talk to you next time.